0: Greetings in the name of Jesus. You may turn in your Bibles this morning to uh, Deuteronomy 15, verses 1 to 7, which I would like to read to begin with. Uh, actually, I wrote down Deuteronomy. I meant Second Chronicles 15. And uh, it was just, it's something that I came across a few different times this week the idea and it answers some questions here. Now the spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded and he went out to meet Asa and said to him hear me Asa and all Judah and Benjamin the Lord is with you while you are with him but no If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on the inha- all the inhabitants of the lands. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you, be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable Id- idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities of which he had taken in the mountains. Of Ephraim, and he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. Here, what I see from this passage of Scripture is simply, when Israel, when people forsake the Lord and do not seek the Lord, all kinds of evil and all kinds of of confusion results. Now let's turn to Genesis chapter two. The subject that I spoke about last Sunday that I might touch on this Sunday is simply, why is there evil in the world? Why does God permit evil in the world? And there's a lot of writing and a lot of thinking has gone into this uh, subject by many, many people throughout the world. And many times... When I'm speaking to somebody, and you talk to them about whether they should believe God or not, it comes down to the to the basics of I can't accept the fact that there's evil in the world. So many times people they they have that as a barrier to belief in God. Now, Genesis chapter two, verse sixteen says, "And the Lord God commanded every man, commanded the man, saying." Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, from the scriptures we find, looking at the history of mankind that is recorded here, you find that when man sinned and took of that tree, the process of death was begun. Now Satan twisted that and said to Eve, He said, You're not going to surely die because God knows that whenever you take that, then you're going to be like Him and you're going to know about good and evil. And Sa- Eve was thinking, Okay, if I take that, I'm going to die immediately. But that's not what actually happened. What God said was, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. It has to do with the beginning of death, the process of death, is going to start in your life. Now, so I'd like to to set forth in the very beginning that the idea... Why is there evil in the world? Is it not God's fault? He made the possibility. But it's not God's fault. Now, let's go to Psalm verse chapter two, verse. uh, Let's just look at Psalm chapter two. And see what David has to say, because David speaks a lot about the problems. That has that we have as people in the world. He starts out in in chapter chapter one. He says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He, and in his law he meditates day and night." And he talks about the man who walks that way. But then he also talks about the man, the evil man, who and the end of that evil man. So chapter two or not chapter two Psalm. Psalm 2 says, why? Why do the nations rage? The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. The nations are raging against God. The nations have no interest in following God. It's a little bit like the gingerbread man. I don't need to, I don't need to uh, be bound by. I can do whatever I want to. He's saying, I can run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. And he, that is how mankind has done from the very beginning. When God created man, man, in a sense, jumped out of the oven and said, I'm going to do my thing as long as I want to, but Satan is like the fox. As we were explained to this morning, pride and scoffing makes one vulnerable to deceit and trickery. And that's what happened. Satan is the one who deceived uh, mankind in the same way that the gingerbread man came to his end very quickly. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage? People plot a vain thing. Verse 4 says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. He's talking to Jesus, about Jesus. Ask of me, I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun and that word kiss the son literally means to allow yourselves to be instructed by the son. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. So somehow we have here this problem that we say, I want to do what I want to do with." Out any consequences. But when we do that, there are consequences. You can, as I've heard before, you can choose your path and accept the consequences. Dan, you have said that different times already. Can you just remind us how that is? You can choose the destination and accept the path that takes you down. So you choose the destination of heaven and accept the path. Or you can choose the easy path, but then you must accept the destination that that easy path takes you. Eve, Adam, many people, all of us, at one time or other, have chosen the path of wrong and have came to the point where we realize that our destination is, or the consequences of our path, is the end result is not where we want to be. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 73. I always say Psalm chapter, and you shouldn't say that. It is Psalm 73. Psalm 73 talks about David or David is speaking here he's writing here he's saying his dilemma truly God is good to Israel to such as are pure in heart but as for me my feet had almost stumbled my steps had nearly slipped and I for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked have you ever been envious when you see the prosperity out there something that seems like some people never have any problems he said there are no pangs in their death But their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. David is seeing that out there. You say, why Why am I having a hard time? The path I've chosen is not an easy path. Verse 10 Therefore, his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them, and they say, How does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease, they increase in riches. Surely, I have cleansed my heart in vain. Wash my hands and vent innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. I think David is saying, if I would go ahead and say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, then he realized that he would be untrue to the generation of God's children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. You know, as we were listening to that story this morning, and we were listening to this gingerbread man and how he was running, there was always this thought in my mind How is he going to meet his end? I mean, does he not know that he is only a gingerbread man? Does he not know that he is made of stuff that can melt? Doesn't he understand that? But the gingerbread man, in his mind, he was invincible. You can't catch me, I can run faster than anyone else. That didn't work. Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awakes. So Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually bef- with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. You know, if we think that the path that of Christianity, the path of righteousness, is going to be one in which we're always confident, always know where we're gonna, going, if we think everything is going to feel right, that's not how David was. There's times when you... You know what's right, you follow the right, but it doesn't feel that great. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall Perish. There's that word again. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. What path are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the path of ease and destruction or the path of roughness sometimes? and peace in the end. Why does God allow evil and bad things to happen to God's people, to good people? Is it God's people or good people? There are two books. Uh, Back when, it was back in 1989 or 90, uh, when I read came across a book written by, I think, I think it was Warren Wiersbe. Why does God, uh, what, no, when bad things happen to God's people, or what? no, why do bad things happen to God's people? There's another book written by a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, and I can't remember his name right now. Why do bad things happen to good people? The books come, they're quite different in their assumptions, in their the way they talk. But I really, really got a lot of strength and courage from, why do God well, bad things happen to God's people? And I don't remember, I wish I still had the book, I would have studied it this morning a little bit, or the last week. But it helped me understand that just because... You are God's person doesn't mean that you're going to be immune from bad things happening to you. Part of the problem we have sometimes is we look at people and we say, that is a good person. And therefore, nothing should happen to that good person that's bad. What about? The prophets. What about the Old Testament prophets who suffered? Job. What about Jesus? Did he not should he not have because he was the the best person ever? He shouldn't have suffered if that if you have that philosophy. But that's not what actually happened. Jesus was the very son of God and he went through more pain and suffering he knows exactly what it's like for all of us to go through pain and suffering and hardship and that's why he can be a uh, a a help to us he said I will never ever leave you or forsake you this is a quote by Johnny Erickson Tata uh Johnny Erickson was in a diving accident many years ago uh back probably sometime in the in the 1980s and she dove into the water and hit her her head was uh hit in such a way that she was paralyzed she is a paraplegic she can't uh she can basically not move from from her neck down. She went through a lot of, of questions. Why? Why God? She went through people who would come to her and say, if you have enough faith, you're going to be healed. And she was looking forward to this healing. It didn't happen. She asked, why? There's, there's kind of a, a special connection that I, I have that I feel like I have. I don't really... But there's a a, a man named Steve Estes who wrote her story. And he spent a lot of time with her. This was back when she, this was many years ago when she wrote the book. Uh, I don't remember, the the book was called Johnny, I believe. But Steve Estes happened to get married to a first cousin of my my first wife. And so he would come to, uh, he would come to... uh, The family gatherings and things, so I got to know him personally. It was interesting to get to know him, but so that's why the Johnny story makes is close to my heart. But but she went through a lot of questions. One of the things she finally came up with, and she said, "There's ten words. Ten words are this: God permits what He hates to accomplish what He loves." God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. The reason that I was prompted to think on this idea, this sermon here this morning, was a man came to me and said, he, he can get along with people okay. But he said, because he understands people but he says, why does God allow bad things? Why does God allow a, a Christian-believing girl like Sasha Krause, which many of you might know the name, maybe you might not, why did she have to be, die at the hands of a murderer? What about the girl in Pennsylvania who was killed at the hands of a murderer as well. Her name was Linda. I don't remember her last name. Why were the, those children killed by the murderer that came to the schoolhouse in uh, Pennsylvania? What was the name of the, the Nickel Mines shooting? Why? He said, I can understand uh if some somebody evil has to suffer but why good people so this is just a tiny little attempt to bring to to bring us to understand that Jesus Christ God did not he didn't remove himself and just say okay you can I'm going to let you out there. No, he didn't remove himself. He entered into, and that's what he came as a baby to this earth, to live, to actually live here on this earth and to give his life and went through pain and suffering. God permits what he hates. He permitted them to do those things to Jesus in order to accomplish what he loves. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Let's go to Isaiah and look and see what, what we have to see. Uh, I think I'm getting mixed up here. But I love Isaiah 42. I wanted to bring that one in. There was another one that I wanted to talk about, and I can't. Remember what that was. I think it's in Isaiah 42, a bruised reed. Starting verse 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. Smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged. Till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands shall wait for his law. Thus says the Lord God, God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spreads forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in darkness from the prison house, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory I will not give to another nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before, the, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. "'Sing to the Lord a new song "'and his praise from the ends of the earth. "'You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, "'you coastlands and you inhabitants of them, "'let their wilderness and its cities lift up their voice, "'the villages that Kedar inhabits. "'Let the inhabitants of Selah sing. "'Let them shout from the top of the mountains. "'Let them give glory to the Lord "'and declare his praise in the coastlands. "'The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. "'He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war.' He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands and I will dry up the pools. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. God will be the the one who is with us in the middle of all the pain and suffering that the world can throw at us. For God... So loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In that, God starts with G, only starts with O, son, S, perish, P, everlasting, E, and life, L, gospel. Did you know that gospel is contained in John 3, verse 16? God so loved the world. And there are many isms that this verse answers. God answers, for God answers atheism. That says there is no God. So loved answers Fatalism, that says God is an impersonal being. Is God personal? Yes, he's very personal. The world answers nihilism, that says God only loves one type of person. That he gave answers materialism, that says it is more blessed to receive than to give that's what materialism is it is more blessed to receive than to give no it is more blessed to give than receive that he gave answers materialism his only begotten son answers is Islam that says God did not have a son that whosoever answers five point Calvinism Calvinism that says God died only for the elect. No, it's for whosoever. Believes in him answers pluralism that says all religions are the same. Should not perish answers annihilationism, annihilationism which says there is no eternal punishment. The, the, the word perish, what does the word perish mean if it doesn't mean eternal punishment. Have everlasting life answers Arminianism that says God gives conditional love. I just thought that was an interesting uh, commentary on John 3, verse 16. That is why God came to this earth. Uh, Jesus came to this earth. Actually, God was made flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Because it says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And that is what we trust in. That is the one who came, he took pain and suffering on his own shoulders. So whenever we are going through hard times, whenever we're saying... Why does God allow this evil? Don't think that he's not there knowing about it and is there. And I still like this this quote here. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. What he loves is to have his people seek for him. And there was another scripture, another line of thought that I was going to bring out more. What? And I, I don't know exactly where it was. I think I read the scripture and I didn't really... The idea is those who seek him will find him. So that is a solid truth. But if you don't seek the Lord, then you won't find him. But then there's also another balancing truth to that. It says that those who didn't seek him were found by him. That means... Jesus, God is out there looking for people all over the world. And when he finds people that are willing to to serve him, he will get their attention. And I can't stop talking about the goodness of God, what he does to get people's attention. Uh, And he does it in ways that that we might not imagine. So may God bless you this Christmas season as you seek for him, as you... Make room for him, and say, and don't say like the gingerbread man. I'm going to do what I want to do. No, you say I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be in His kingdom. He made me. This this old lady made the gingerbread man, and she was allowed to do with that man whatever she wanted to, and it was it was all all good. That was designed and planned. He, yeah. There's so much you could, so much you can think about that. But uh, what are we made for? We're made to serve and love God. And that's where we find peace. And that's where we find contentment. Whatever God does. In the end, Psalm 73, remember what it said. Then I understood their end. But we don't want that kind of an end. We want the kind of end where, where we dwell with him forevermore. There's a psalm. Psalm 27, uh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, I'll never forget that. That psalm is kind of special to me because that was the last psalm that I read to my first wife when she was on her deathbed. And I was able to, to just, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And on, And then toward the end it says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what I desire for all of you. That's what I desire for myself, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's kneel for prayer.